I'm glad to be in the Lord's house, glad that you're here, welcome, thanks for coming today. Uh, praise team, they knocked it out of the park, didn't they? Didn't they do great? Man, I appreciate them and their ministry, do such a good job. I, I, same thing for the first service, and I told the first service people, you know, sometimes we can sit there or stand here and, and watch our praise team, and they're so blessed and they're so good, we just get caught up in how good they are, and all we're doing is watching them or listening to them and they are great, but the reason, the reason they're here and the reason they sing and play is to involve us in worship. Huh? So we need to be singing with them. Amen. And then when the preacher gets up here to preach, you're with him. There you go. All right, good deal. You're, you're kind of getting it. Hey, this is my third sermon in the series of, of being tuned in, all right? We're talking about communicating with God and getting tuned in with the Lord. Uh, on Wednesday of this past week, we had, uh, had uh, my truck and Callie's Jeep all loaded up, and Angie and I took Callie to uh, Waco, Texas, uh, to drop her off at Baylor University to start this new career in college. Let me tell you, that was tough. It was tough on Miss Angie, uh, I tell you. It was tough on Brother Will, too. Uh, when, when we left Cali there in, in Waco, I mean, we were bawling and crying. I was crying so hard I couldn't even pray for her, but I tried to pray. And, and, uh, and, and we, were, we were, you know, we were saying goodbye to her, and we were bawling, and we were so sad. And, and she said, okay, well, I'll call you when I can. <laughs> like, get out of here, Mom and Dad, and let me start this thing. But uh, anyway, let me tell you about the, the trip down there. We left on Wednesday morning to go down to Waco, and, and we cut through Oklahoma. Ken, that's the way we go, cut through Oklahoma. And so we stopped in this little Oklahoma town to get some breakfast at a subway. I won't tell you the name of the town in Spyro, but anyway, I won't tell Anyway, we stopped in Spyro, didn't make it too far for our first stop, but we stopped in Spyro to get a, a breakfast sandwich. And uh, there, there were two ladies working in there, and then the three of us. We were the only customers in there. And, uh, and, and, and after we got our food, they asked, Angie and Callie, didn't say this to me, ask Angie and Callie, are y'all in a hurry? And I mean, yeah, we were in a hurry, but you know, what do you say? And, and Angie says, no, why? And she said, well, we've got this new high-tech radio that we can't get to play. We, we can't get it tuned in. And, and your daughter's young, she's probably knows stuff about this. Would y'all come back there? Now, Gary, I got a, I got a little irritated, man, because I mean... You, do, I, do I not look like somebody who can do anything high-tech? I mean, I, I am a guy, you know? But they didn't even look at me, didn't address this to me. They were talking to my girls, Angie and Callie, and so Angie said, sure, we'll go back there. And, and so they went back to the back of the store, and, and I could hear them back there, and then I could hear static because they got it on, and then finally they got it tuned in to a station, and you were hearing the music. And again, in the back, the two ladies said to Angie and Callie, what good is this high-tech radio if we can't get it tuned in? Yeah, And that's what we're talking about, getting tuned in with God, having a conversation with God, listening to God, hearing God's voice. God has given us all the equipment we need to hear from Him. We just have to get tuned in to Him. So today, my third message in this series, I want us to discover how we can know God's will. Or in other words, how to get guidance from God. Well, there's a lot of confusion about this, but fortunately, there is a six-step 
process found in the Bible in a little known book of the Old Testament called Habakkuk that can help us understand God's will and discover what God wants us to know. In chapter 1 of Habakkuk, he asked God a series of questions. And then in chapter 2, he does six things to prepare himself to hear God. And if you will leave here doing these six things, I can guarantee you, you will hear from God. And then in chapter 3, he gets the answers from God. So here we are, Habakkuk chapter 2. Let me just read verses 1 and 2. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take your word, speak it into our hearts, change our lives, and help us to live for you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in these two verses, we have the six steps that Habakkuk took on hearing from God. And again, I'm going to do more teaching today than I am preaching. So get your bulletin, turn it to the back, and there's some lines back there for you to take notes. Did you know that we had that? All right, take notes today, okay? These six steps, write them down so that you can go home and implement these six steps and start hearing from God. Step number one, they're real simple steps. Step number one, I want, I want. In other words, I must want to hear from God. I must be willing to listen to God. I must desire to not only hear God, but also to do God's will. And it all starts right there with wanting to. It all starts with desire, wanting to hear God. Now Habakkuk begins with these words, I will. I will climb up into my watchtower. In other words, he's saying, I am deciding in advance to listen to God. It is the choice that I am making. I'm making this my choice to hear God. And the point is this. You're never going to hear from God unless you want to hear from God. It's just that simple. God speaks to those who want to hear from Him. So it starts right here with our desire to hear from God. Two weeks ago, we talked about this. And I told you that God speaks to people who decide in advance they're going to do whatever God tells them to do even before He tells them to do it. Okay, God is not going to speak to the person who says, God, you tell me your plan and your purpose for my life and, and I'll consider it, I'll think about it, I'll compare that with what I really want to do and I'll get back with you. God doesn't talk to people like that. God speaks to the people who say, God, you tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. So it's really an attitude of saying yes even before God discloses it to you. You're telling God yes in advance. Really, you're writing a blank check. You're saying, Lord, I I don't know what you want me to do with my life. I don't know what you want to do with my career, my family, where you want me to work, where you want me to go to school. But I'm just laying it all out before you, Lord, whatever you want. 
And God says, now that's the person I'm going to talk to right there. Because they have an open heart, a willing mind. So let me ask you a very personal question. How serious are you about hearing from God? Really, how serious are you about hearing from God? You say, ah, it'd be nice. It'd be a nice thing if God spoke to me. That, that would really be nice. Well, let me tell you, nice is not enough. Is it a nicety or is it a necessity that you hear from God? God speaks to people who say, God, I've got to know what you want from my life. I've got to know what it is you want me to do because I'm not moving ahead until you tell me. So is it a nicety or is it a necessity? The person God speaks to is the person who really wants to know and really has a desire to do God's will. Now in the Bible, God called David a man after my own heart. That was God's description of King David. He is a man after my own heart. Now, the question is, why did God say that about David? Was it because David was perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, David was a murderer. David committed adultery. He wasn't perfect. So why did God say, that guy is a man after my own heart? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because David was passionate about hearing from God. He wanted to hear from God. It wasn't a nicety in David's life. It was a complete necessity that he hears from God. I mean, you go back and, and read through the, the Psalms and he says stuff like this. I long to hear from you, God. He said, I desire to hear from you. He's the guy who said, like a deer pants after water when it's thirsty, my soul is panting after you. He said, I want to know your will more than anything else. Now, let me tell you, that's the kind of person God's going to speak to. A person who has a desire to hear from God. Like David, the more you desire it, the more God is going to speak in your life. When I was a kid, my preacher used to say all the time, you're as close to God as you choose to be. Now, that's a great statement, isn't it? And it's really true. You are as close to God as you choose to be. So, make it a desire. The second step in getting guidance from God from the book of Habakkuk is this. I withdraw. I withdraw. I want it, number one, and then I withdraw. That means that you get alone in a quiet place. Habakkuk said, I'll climb up into my watchtower. That's a Hebrew expression that means I'm going to get alone. I'm going to get above it all. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to get into a quiet place. And the point here is this. You cannot hear God's voice if you are surrounded with noise. That's why you got to find a quiet place. And wouldn't you agree with me that finding a quiet place is a pretty tough thing to do in our world? I mean, man, hey, dude, how about just in your home, home finding a quiet place? Wow. Th those of you who are parents of, of little kids or grandparents who got little kids, you know what I'm talking about. So let me give you parents a little encouragement from the story of the life of Susanna Wesley. She had 18 children. That is not the encouraging part of this story, all right? Wow. Two of her sons, though, changed history. 
John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. And his brother Charles Wesley wrote hundreds of Christian hymns. Both of them attributed their love for God to their mother's passionate love for God. She prayed every day. Now, you might wonder, how could a woman who had 18 kids find time every day to withdraw and pray? Well, she had a strategy. Sometime in the afternoon, she would go to her rocking chair. She had her rocking chair out there in the middle room. She would sit in her rocking chair. She wore a long apron. This was a long time ago. She had a long apron. She would take her apron and pull it up over her head. And that's how she got away from 18 kids. That was her alone place. That was the way she withdrew. And the kids knew. They had been trained. If mama's got the apron over her head, don't mess with mama. So guys, however you do it, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to withdraw. When I was in seminary years ago, one of my professors taught us this little phrase. He says, you need to divert daily and you need to withdraw weekly. That means every day you need to divert and find time with God. Weekly you need to withdraw and get away from everyone else and everything else and spend quality time with God. It's got to be done. It's not just going to happen automatically. You've got to make it happen. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now that's interesting to me. Jesus, the Son of God, withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. He did it often. Why? Because he needed that as a regular part of his life if he was going to hear God's voice. And remember who we're talking about, Jesus. He was God. In fact, nobody was closer to God than Jesus. But he needed that. And church, if he needed it, how much more do we need it? All right. The truth is... God is far more willing to talk to you than you are willing to talk to Him. A few years ago, somebody bought some billboard signs and and put up on the billboard signs what God might be saying to our current day. And it really caught the attention of of the nation. God is trying to say something to us. You may remember these when I start spouting them off. They started down in Florida, but you're driving down the freeway and there's a billboard sign from God. I mean, God is saying this. There's something about driving down the freeway and, and, and reading a message from God. Right? What One of them said, we need to talk, dot, 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 God. You know? Or how about this one? Love the wedding, now invite me to your marriage. Mm. Or what part of thou shalt not didn't you understand? One of my favorite ones was, the last time things were this messed up, I sent a flood. God. (laughs) Well, well. You know, it's one thing to hear God speak, and and if withdrawing to a quiet place was all you needed, that would be a snap. But that's only point number two out of a six-step process. So number one, I want it. Number two, I withdraw. Number three... I wait. I wait. Again, let me review. I want to hear from God. I desire to hear from God. Number two, I withdraw to a quiet place. And then number three, when I find that quiet place, I just wait. 
I calm my thoughts and my emotions. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 he said, I will wait. In other words, I'm going to wait to hear from God. Now I read this out of the New King James Version and the word that is used there is I will set myself. The NIV says it like this, I will station myself. What does that mean? Well, it means this. God, I am not going to move. I am going to stay put. I am going to be still. I'm not going to move until I hear from you. I'm waiting to hear from you. Now, why is this important? Very simply, because hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry is the death of prayer. The reason why you don't hear God is because you're in too much of a hurry. Lord, I'm busy right now. I've got about three minutes, so if you could give it to me quick, I'd appreciate it. God says, I'll I'll just wait this one out. It, It doesn't work that way. Hurry is the death of prayer. The truth is real simple. God speaks to people who take time to listen. The key is taking time to listen. If you don't take the time to listen, God's not going to talk to you. So you've got to want it. Number two, you've got to withdraw to a quiet place where you can get away from all the distractions. And then you wait and calm yourself down. You have to take time to listen. So what do you do while you're waiting? Preacher, what do I do while I'm waiting? Well, the psalmist tells us to do four things. Number one... You get real still before God. You just get still. In fact, it says in Psalms 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. In the Hebrew, it literally means let your hands hang low. Just quit being busy, man. Just wait and be still. Number two, you wait quietly. Psalm 62 verse 5, I will wait quietly before God because my hope is in Him. Number three, you wait patiently. Psalm 37 verse 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. And then number four, you wait expectantly. 130 verse 5, I will wait expectantly trusting God to help for He has promised to help me. So, you wait. You just wait. Here are the steps of getting guidance from God. I want, I withdraw, I wait. And then number four, I watch. I watch. I watch and I let God give me a mental picture. Notice the fourth thing Habakkuk does. He says in verse 1, I will look to see what he will say to me. I will look to see what he will say to me. I read it out of the New King King James to begin with. It says in that translation, I will watch to see what he will say to me. Now, why does does it say that? Doesn't it make more sense to say, I will listen to hear what God says to me? Doesn't that make sense? I'm going to listen to hear what God says, but that's not what it says. It says, I am going to look to see what He says. Really important point, because oftentimes God's voice is visual. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that sometimes God speaks to you by putting a mental picture in your mind. He'll give you a picture. 
Some of you are going, eh, preacher, you're getting a little weird on me, man. God putting a picture in my mind? Yeah, he can do it. Listen, if, if, if NASA can receive pictures from Mars and Jupiter, don't you think Almighty God can put a picture in your head? I mean, if NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox News can take a picture in New York City, bounce it up into the heavens on a satellite, bounce it back down into your living room, and you watch it on a TV screen, don't you think God can put a picture in your head? Of course He can. And the Bible is full of examples of God putting mental pictures into people's heads while they're praying. In the Bible, it's called a vision. God gave Abraham a vision of his future. God did the same thing with men like Joseph and Jacob and David and Job and all of the prophets of the Old Testament. You say, yeah, well, those are the Old Testament guys. Is there anybody in the New Testament that had that? You bet. Have you ever heard of Peter, Paul, and Mary? Only you 60s freaks have, haven't you? Talking about the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, Mother the Marriage. They're all in the New Testament. And you know what? They receive visions from God. Images. God put pictures in their head. Now, I'm, I'm going to change gears, but I'm going to come back to this picture thing because this is really important for you to listen to this. If there is anything that you need in your life today, it is perspective. If we need something more in our life than what we currently have, I think it is more perspective. Because most of the time you go through life with this little tiny narrow vision and you only see like that much of your problem and you don't see how your little problem fits either into your life or into the world. And if anybody can give you the big picture, come on now, if anybody can give you the big perspective, it's God. Because you see, God sees it all. When you see the big picture, when you see the, the big perspective, all of a sudden your problems get a whole lot smaller in the scheme of all the big things. So how do we get this perspective from God? Well, we pray and we let God give us this picture in our mind. We let God give us His vision. The Bible says, Open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful truths in your word. This is what it means when Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So, number one, I want. Number two, I withdraw. Number three, I wait. Number four, I watch. The fifth thing that Habakkuk tells us to do to teach us to get guidance from God is write. I write. That is, I record the ideas that God gives me. He says right there in our verse, The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly what I have revealed to you. And because Habakkuk wrote it down, guess what? We have this book in the Bible called the book of Habakkuk. Okay? That's what it's really all about. He asked God a question, God gave him an answer, and he wrote it down. That simple. This by, the way, is, is, this, by the way, is called the spiritual habit of journaling. Huh? It, it's a habit that many great Christians have done through the centuries. And, and I think it is a habit, if you will start it in your own life, will refresh your prayer life. But don't make it too complicated. Because it's not a complicated, it's a very simple thing. 
You simply write down what you're saying to God, and then you write down what God is saying back to you. That's what it is. This habit has great benefits for your life. What it helps you to do is it helps you focus your thoughts as you write things down. I don't know about your thoughts, but sometimes my thoughts get tangled up in my brain. That ever happened to you? Hmm? Thoughts distangle themselves when they pass from your lips to your fingertips. When you're able to articulate what you're thinking and then you're able to write it down, it helps you distangle to, to, to straighten out my thoughts. It helps you to remember also what God has said to you. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget what God tells me. I always forget what Angie tells me. So she has to remind me, all right? But sometimes I forget what God has told me. But you know what? If I've written it down, I can go back and read it. I've done this for years, man. I've kept journals for years. And, and sometimes it's really encouraging and amazing to, to go back five years or ten years or, or my land's 20 years when I was living in Pine Bluff and, and read some of those, those journals that I wrote of my conversations with God and, and what God has said back to me. It really is an amazing thing. Write it down. This habit also helps you to pass on a spiritual legacy to your kids and your grandkids. That they can read after you're dead and gone your faith journey with God. In fact, it says in the Bible, Psalms 102, 18, Write these things down for the future so that people who are not yet born will praise the Lord. And what a great thing. You know, sometimes... When I'm either preaching a funeral or at a funeral, I come to the realization that, you know what, life is brief, number one. But number two, after a few generations, they're going to forget you. Nobody's going to remember you. I mean, people in your own family. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of sobering, a little depressing. Nobody's going to remember you. But you know what? If you've written your faith journey down and pass it down, they can remember you. My great-grandfather was a circuit-riding Methodist preacher out in West Texas. This is my granddaddy Whitmire's dad. He, he died when granddaddy Whitmire was, was just a boy, so I don't have a whole lot of stories of, about this man. But he was a preacher, a circuit-riding preacher. So he wrote out some of his sermons. He wrote out some of his conversations with God. And those have been handed down, and I now have copies of those. So even though I never knew this man and only have seen like one or two pictures of him, I have a faith journal of his life. And that's pretty amazing. I'm not going to be able to live a, leave a whole lot for my kids, very little for grandkids. And the generation after that, you know what? They may have some pictures of me, but another thing they're going to have from me is my faith journey. Because I'm leaving it for them. So if God speaks to you, guys, write it down. Here are the steps. I want, I withdraw, I wait, I watch to see what God says to me. And then when he speaks to me, I write it down. And then number six, the last one, I worship. I worship. I thank God for speaking to me. This is the natural response of hearing from God. I worship. That's what Habakkuk did in chapter 3. He said, O Lord, now I have heard your report and I worship you in awe. 
Uh, here's, the, here's the deal. When you receive God's response to a question you've asked and God answers you, it makes you love Him that much more. <laughs> and you thank Him. You worship Him. Lord, thanks for speaking to me. Thanks for answering my question. Thank you for showing you your will for my life. I worship you, Lord. I praise you. Now, what we've talked about today will revolutionize your prayer life if you do it. But that's the key. You've got to do it. It's one thing for you to sit here and listen and even take notes. It's another thing to go home and do it. But if you'll start following these six steps, it will turn your prayer life from a monologue into a dialogue. And you can commune with God. You can have a conversation with Almighty God. Don't you want that? I want it for you. I want it for you. So here's your assignment, kids. Go home and do this. Start today, not tomorrow. You start doing these six things today. Now, right before I close, let me say this to you. I said last week, for you to hear from God, you've got to know God. And I want to reiterate that this morning. If you want to hear from God, you've got to know God. You can't hear from God unless you know Him. God has not obligated Himself to talk to people unless you are His child. Okay? Okay? You understand that? It's principles from the Bible. God speaks to His children. He has not obligated Himself to speak to anybody else other than His children. So if you want to hear from God, number one thing is you've got to be in His family. And the only way you can be in His family is by accepting His gift of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We say here at Cavanaugh Church it's real simple to do. It's as simple as ABC. I admit that I'm a sinner, and we all are. I accept the fact that I have sinned. You have. B, I believe that Jesus alone can save me from my sins. And C, I confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Now, if you want to hear from God, you've got to be His child. So you need to ask Him into your heart. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today, this morning, here in just a moment when I give the invitation. Second thing is this. If you're a Christian, okay, you're a believer, and you're still struggling with not hearing from God, maybe the reason you're not hearing from God is because you're not quite tuned in. Okay? Maybe, maybe there's some distractions. Have, have you ever been in a, in a building that is so insulated that, that you can't tune into a radio station? Yeah? There's too, many, there's too many barriers between you and, 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 and the wire out there where you can get the reception. Well, it's the same thing in our relationship with, with God. If we allow stuff, I'll call it sin, into our life, it is going to block the airwaves. We're not going to be able to communicate. There, it, there's going to be a sin clog in the pipe to God. Okay? And we got to get that cleaned out. I told the first service people, I, boy... I love my wife. Isn't she a great lady? Don't y'all love Miss Angie? Boy, yeah, come on. She, she is so awesome. And she cooked lunch today. She got up early this morning to cook lunch for Zane. <laughs> I guess I'm going to get to eat some of it too. I don't, I don't know. But here's the deal. I, I, I really enjoy just talking to Angie. 
Okay? And through the day, we do that. We just talk about stuff. We talk about our kids. We talk about, we talk about life. We talk about ministry here. We just, we just talk. Okay? You know, just talk. Sometimes it's about nothing. But I like doing that. I like talking about nothing to my wife. But here's the deal. If there's trouble between us, if, if we got something going on that, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't do my chores or, you know, I've been rude or I've been short-tempered with the kids or, you know, it's usually something I've done. See, I'm starting it right now, aren't I? I'm stirring something up right now, right? But if, if there's just the littlest problem, the smallest problem, it, it could be something that insignificant. But if there's just the littlest problem right there that we haven't taken care of or corrected, I can't talk to her about just nothing. You, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, they, got, they do have the, they got that deer in the headlight look. You know what I'm talking about. Or maybe it's been so long since you've even talked to your spouse. Uh-oh, that's another sermon series. Let me write that down. I need... So here's the deal. I've got to get that thing straightened out. I've got to ask for forgiveness if I've done it. I've got to say, okay, what's the problem? She tells me the problem. We correct the problem. Then we can go back, Cheryl, to talking about nothing again. And we're happy. Even more so in your relationship with God. If there's any sin, and I mean it could, be, it could be bitterness. It could be anger that you have towards another person. It could be something that you've thought or something that you've done. But if there is anything that is blocking that communication pipe with God, you need to clean it out. You need to ask for forgiveness. Lord, what have I done? What, what is the problem here? And when he tells you you need to fix it, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to correct the problem. So you can get tuned in. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God today. So Lord help us to hear from you. Lord we want that. I want that for these people. I love them Lord and I care about them. I want them to hear from you. So help us dear Lord this morning. To wait before you. To watch to see what you're going to say. To go home and write it down, what you tell us, and to worship you because you've spoken to us. Lord, for those who just need to come and pray this morning about whatever, whatever need they have, help them to come. Lord, help us to understand that this prayer time is, really is a significant time because you're giving us a chance here publicly just to come and commune and pray with you. I pray that we would take advantage of that today and that we would come and pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed?